Welcome back to another episode of Texas by Design. I'm Kevin Cron, the Chief Public Market Officer at Jones & Carter. I'm here today with Dennis Christensen, the former TTI uh, Agency Director with, uh, and I actually worked for Texas A&M Systems for many years. So, uh, Dennis, welcome to the show. Very, very excited to have you here on our program today. Um, if you wouldn't mind, just kind of give us an update on where you're at today and, and kind of a little bit about your profile. Well, I appreciate it. It's good to be here. appreciate the invitation. I uh, graduated from college and took a job with one of your consulting competitors in Kansas City and worked there for about a year and a half and decided I needed a master's degree to do what we were doing. And my boss was an Aggie and he said, why don't you go to Texas A&M? And I think my response was, where is Texas A&M and why would I want to go there? But we applied and he offered money. So my wife and I packed up everything we owned in a U-Haul van and headed for College Station, Texas. I spent career with the Texas Transportation Institute, started out as a graduate assistant, ended up as the chief executive officer for the last 10 years. Uh, a great career with a great organization and we've had the chance to work with some of your people, uh, Doug Bramwell in particular. That's fantastic, that's fantastic. 50 years, whoever thought, you know, someone said go to Texas A&M and you'd be here. Uh, for as long as you have. Not a chance, that, not that a is, chance. That is fantastic. Um, but let's just jump into to topic one. Tell us a little bit about really, um, over those 50 years of experience, most of it has been applied in the really the transportation field, um, working there with TTI, focusing on on really the academics of, of, of the transportation industry, but also how you apply it really across everything we do. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, TTI is a it is a unique organization. The word unique gets overused. TTI is unique. It's the largest university transportation research organization in the world. Yeah. It does work in all modes of transportation, all aspects of transportation. And while it gets technical, it, a lot of its success is as part of the A&M system, not part of Texas A&M University. And it has a separate legal structure and a separate funding structure but the, the support and the ongoing relationship of what was the Texas Highway Department, now the Texas Department of Transportation, is what's provided the base funding to allow us to get to where we are. And the TTI employs about 700 people, wow. has offices in wow. nine Texas cities, uh, several people in Washington, D.C. So it's, it's a pretty big operation for university research. Oh, that's fantastic. So I have to ask, so what, what has been the biggest change you've seen really over your career um, there with the TTI? Well, I think that you know, lots of things have changed. If you go back 45 years or so, we had state highway departments. We didn't have departments of transportation. We hadn't even heard of what an MPO is at that point in time. <laughs> but I think in my mind, what's the two things that have really changed is number one is safety. We still have too many accidents, but the fatality rate is one third of what it was 45 years ago. You know, it's part of that is safer roads, part of that is safer vehicles, part of that is people actually wear seat belts these days. But I mean, that's a huge change to go from, you know, about a 1.3 down from a 4.8 uh, fatality rate. The second thing that it, I have found interesting is back in the early 70s when we were designing freeway systems, we were designing them with the expectation that we would be operating at level of service C in the peak hour 20 or 25 years in the future, mm -hmm. which was primarily because our demand models were terrible. 
But you know, obviously that didn't happen. And part of that is that some of those highways never got built. But the bigger part is we didn't understand the movement that was going to take place from rural areas to urban areas. We didn't understand the impact of women entering the workforce, increased vehicle ownership, suburbia, and then the economic advantages in Texas and migration to the Sun Belt and the, the demand on our system, we understand a lot better than we did 40 or 50 years ago, but we missed those estimates by a long ways back then. Wow, wow. You know, the safety, both of those topics, those are, that's very insightful. Um, both of those things are very interesting, but you know, you don't sit back and think about how much has evolved from the safety aspect and really where we're at today. We have a long way to go, you know, but we've made some tremendous improvements there. So what do you think are, are really some of the biggest, biggest things that have driven those improvements? Well, I think that, uh, you know, I guess compared to uh, COVID, it's not a very serious problem anymore. But, I mean, you're right. killing thirty to 40,000 people a year. Right. And it's a, it's a public health issue that you can do something about. And I think we've demonstrated in that area with a lot of strong leadership and a lot of strong emphasis that you can do things that make a huge difference. And you know, TTI has had a significant ongoing safety role from from day one uh, mm -hmm. and the the texas highway department now the texas dot has always emphasized safety in the process so that integration and that alignment has there always been alignment between tti and and the highway department or texas department um, um, of transportation yeah i think we got to where we got to uh, you know first of all texas is a big state so we have all all the problems you could imagine happening are somewhere yeah, in texas yeah. whether it's soils or urban development or whatever so the problems are here but there was a gentleman named dewitt greer who was an aggie who headed the highway department for 27 years and it was his belief that the highway department should have a partnership with the universities in the state to conduct research to solve the problems that they have. And out of that, in 1950, yeah. a cooperative research agreement was created, and TxDOT has maintained a well-funded research program with state universities since then. And the culture that was established by Mr. Greer has stayed in the highway department and the wow. DOT. So, you know, they have the problems, but they also have a culture that we ought to try to do something about the problems. And after you work with an entity, you know, it's kind of like TTI and TxDOT employees are just one and the same. There's sure. A, a trust, a commonality to it. Uh, you know, we play golf together. We occasionally drink beer together, but it's a, it's a good relationship. And it's worked well. It started out as just, Texas Highway Department and Texas A&M, and now all the state universities participate in the program. Sounds like Mr. Greer and the, and the Texas uh, the Highway Department were way ahead of their time. I mean, it, I mean, there weren't many people out here thinking about that, and that's a uh, that's a great story. I, I've never heard that story before. Well, you know, and it, it it not only was there leadership and vision, but one thing that Texas has always had, which amazes me, is integrity in the program that you're spending. Mm -hmm billions of dollars every year and TxDOT has not had a uh, financial scandal in a hundred years and you look at what's going on in other states and all the problems you have with too many dollars going to the wrong place at the wrong time but the integrity of the department was established back then and you know, in spite of all the incentives to do something that's not right 
we're doing things that are right. That's great. That's great. Next topic, I'd like to continue really along the lines of really Texas and, and how Texas has been an innovator, really a leader in the transportation industry, um, really seeing really how they've driven it out across the U.S., really things that have started in Texas, how they've driven out across the U.S. What, what has been the biggest driver really in this type of innovation and, and leadership coming out of the state of Texas? Well, I think if you look nationwide, a lot of people would agree that states look at Texas and California for leadership and new things get developed there, they get tested there. If they get work, if they work, everybody else will, will take it on. And I think a lot of it comes from federal law requires that state DOTs spend a certain amount of money on research, but it's a very small chunk of money. And most states choose to not spend more than that. California and Texas have uh, made programs well beyond the size that they have to be. They've made it a true part of what they do and how they do it for decades and decades. And they're, they're big states. I mean, they have different soil types. They have international borders. They have big cities. They have little cities. They have rural areas. So they have all the problems and they have the leadership and the drive to uh, solve those problems. Oh, that's great. So. Do, do states, other states typically look to Texas and California, or does Texas and California, through organizations like TTI, work to really inform, um, inform other states and other agencies on, on, on what, what they're coming up with from a research standpoint? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. There's a lot of national organizations, uh, you know, AASHTO, the Transportation Research Board, and so forth, that all these entities go to, sure. they share information, the results get published. Uh, and, you know, there's some areas like uh, when, when we got into high occupancy vehicle lanes in Texas, uh, we were by far the national leader in that. Uh, all the material is uh, published. Uh, and it's also kind of a good example of how a research program relates to what you, the consultants, do, that there's always a little bit of friction on right. who's, who's doing what on what turf. But if you look at the HOV program, it was developed as a research entity with the highway department and TTI. All the results got published, and now you guys are off doing it all, and we're out of it all together. So it's uh, it's kind of the way the program ought to sure. work if it's done right. Well, it sounds like, it, I don't know if this was intentional, but it sounds like some accountability was built in between really the agency, TxDOT, and, and TTI that really has helped to, to really drive some of that, that uh, innovation. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that the both organizations have a mutual respect and trust each other. But I also think if you come back to the organizational structure that TTI was created with in the A&M system, basically, if TTI doesn't generate and develop research money, it doesn't exist. Sure. So, I mean, you've got to do good work on project one so you can propose to do project two. And you've got to build up that credibility. So in good work, showing success. We have to show, hey, this is a research uh, topic. We're pushing it forward. We're going to try it out there in the industry. But at the end of the day, um, you, it's, it's got to prove to be successful. Yeah, and what, what TechStot also decided to do is there's basic core research funding. But then they wanted the universities to work with TechStot to take the findings of research out and implement gotcha. and evaluate in the field. So they set up mechanisms whereby we could contract with the TxDOT district offices to help in the implementation of the evaluation of research findings. Great, great. 
So I have to ask, what, what sticks out is really the biggest innovation or the most um, adopted or accepted innovation that's come out of this, this type of philosophy? Well, I think that, again, TTI has a broad program and you could get into traffic signal timing algorithms or pavement design or planning models. I think two things that interest me is number one, uh, the A&M system was fortunate to have an abandoned Air Force base. And in the late 1960s, we began a full-scale vehicle crash testing program out there, which is now the largest in the country. It's a unique facility, the only place where you can do things like crash 18-wheelers 18 18 fully loaded. But coming out of that program, uh, things like breakaway signs, breakaway light poles, crash cushions, guardrail end treatments, now things that have been implemented literally all over the world, saving tens of thousands of lives, were all developed at this wow. Air Force base. Uh, and the second thing that interests me, because I was involved in it, uh, was uh, Houston got in the 1970s, with the migration of the Sun Belt, Houston came to the conclusion that we're not going to build our way out of this congestion. We've got to try something different. There was innovative leadership in Houston at the highway department, and we had a new, well-funded transit authority looking for something to do. And there was this little-known concept called high-occupancy vehicle lanes that was out there. And at that point in time, there was not a whole lot of trust between the highway department and the transit authority. They hadn't existed long enough for that. But TTI was a neutral party. We were acceptable to both the highway department and the transit authority. So they both contracted with us independently to lead an investigation of uh, should we do high occupancy vehicle lanes? And if so, how should we do that? Sure. And it led to the largest system of barrier-separated HOV lanes in the country. And now that's evolved into managed lanes. But again, that was the role that TTI can play in that is where the credible party, neutral, hopefully acceptable to everybody else to come in and lead something like that. That's a great, that's a great story of really uh, a seed of, 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 of something being planted and actually seeing it really blossom into something that's impacted all of our industry. So that's, uh, that's fantastic. That's a great story. So, Well, and I think it also emphasizes we don't appreciate oftentimes the importance of the political process and what we do. Right. And at that point in time in Houston, you had a mayor, a county judge, a chairman of the Transit Authority, and the chairman of the Texas Highway Commission all Houstonians, and they got together every month for about three hours and discussed nothing other than transportation, became called the so-called supergroup. And it was easy for everybody to know what it was they were supposed to do when you had political leadership doing that. And I mean, out of that process, there's a toll road system in uh, Houston, there's two increases in the gas tax, a change in the state formula that brought more money to Houston, uh, and that's how the HOV lanes got built. You had the political leadership behind it. We had alignment, I guess. It sounds like you had a bunch of folks that were interested in the subject, and we're, we're going to figure this out. So I guess uh, a big piece of that was having the right people in the room and, and having having good timing. So, well, And I think uh, you know, Houston was so big that if you got the county judge, the mayor, sure, transit authority, you get four people in a room, you can make a decision. You, know, you go to Dallas-Fort Worth and try to do the same thing, and you got 65 people in the room. Makes, makes it a little more difficult. A little more difficult. Absolutely, absolutely.
Let's talk about technology. Um, technology, data have had a dramatic impact on our society in general. You know, we see it with the phones and the type of data that we have at our fingertips day in, day out. Um, how has digital data and even technology impacted the transportation world? It's, it's, it's an interesting question, and I think that we'll be able to answer it better five years from now. But it used to be that if you wanted to do a capacity analysis or time a traffic signal and you went through the database, you might find two data points and you could draw any kind of curve you wanted to between those two data points. And no one's going to question it, right? <laughs> we used all the data that we had. And now we have more data than we know how to analyze, right. which is obviously good. Uh, TTI is in the process of looking at how do you actually structure big data so you can evaluate it and you can assess the accuracy of the data and use it correctly. But the potential with it is, is pretty much unlimited. I think that you know, one of the things you got to keep in mind, though, is if you look at all really fancy traffic models we can use right now, there should always be an asterisk at the bottom that says, go out in the real world and look at it to make sure this makes sense, that we tend to look at these fancy computer models and get an output and use that without questioning it. But going forward, the demand for transportation is going to keep growing. Sure. You got to find some way to address it. That what you can do with autonomous vehicles and vehicle to infrastructure communication is going to have to be a key part of how you do that. That you can operate a safer system, you can operate a higher capacity system, but how you get from here to there is going to be the big challenge in the process. I love the fact you said a little ground truth in here, and I think that it kind of leads into my next question for you, is, is there is a lot of data out there. Some of it is very much applicable, and you can take it, and there's a very, uh, we understand exactly how to apply it today. Um, but in, in some regards, it could also, too much data could be a distraction, if you will, um, with really driving some of these things forward. How, how do you manage that, to really go out here and really understand the value of data um, and how we can leverage that to improve our systems? Well, you know, I have a biased point of view on that, but to me, that is an ideal research topic that you you ask the University of Texas or Texas A&M or whomever to look at the data sources, look at how they can be used, determine how good they are, and then come up with the guidelines that can go out so everybody else can use them. They can know what the reliability of the results are. Sure. They can know how to do the process. But it's, it's going to take a lot of, uh, it, it isn't a simple question, and it's going to take a lot of hard looking, uh, and databases inherently have errors in them. Uh, the error rates are different, but there's errors in those. You got to sort out, how do you collect this? How do you analyze this? And you know, I could envision on some of this big data that uh, the state of Texas becomes the depository for that data. It might be subcontracted to Texas A&M or somebody else. But then if a city or a consultant needs to use that data, they'll just access the data and know how to do it. And we can't all put it together and maintain it. It sounds like it's going to keep the folks over at TTI busy for a long time. It yeah, sounds I think like that, a big research they, project. They, they've identified that as an area that might have some potential in. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on Texas by Design. If you enjoyed this episode with Dennis, give us a five-star rating. You can follow us on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts to receive updates on the latest episodes of Text by Design. Thank you again, and we look forward to seeing you again for part two of this episode.